These are the tribulations of Paulette. Damaged goods brought on by an accident with the intruder. Serves me right. I show up at Costco where I apply for a job in a Percocet-induced semi-stupor. Then I fork over 60 bucks so I can enter the store to visit my 90-year-old friends, Bertie and Howard, who got jobs working at a wine and cheese event. It's easy to find them way at the back of the store because they're wearing toques. Hundreds of shoppers are milling around. For a Monday night, the place is really busy. Costco has had to kick it up a notch to compete with the new Wegmans. I'm impressed. The quote-unquote wine is sparkling cider, which is fine by me because I still feel no pain from the little nib of Percocet I took at 3 p.m. Howard stands in front of a large electric frying pan. He beams when he sees me. If you wait two minutes, he says, you'll get a nice piece of cheese. Ninety-year-old Howard, who I can say with reasonable certainty has never done so much as boil water, sprays the hot frying pan generously with butter-flavor Pam. Then he tosses in a five-by-five brick of feta. As the cheese hits the heat, it ricochets back and forth like a pinball. Howard pushes the cheese around and gives it his best Bobby Flay, chatting up his audience. He clearly enjoys his new celebrity chef status, even if it is at Costco. But then things take a turn for the worse. The butter-flavor Pam begins to smoke heavily, and it turns black. The cheese looks like it has been dunked in motor oil. It hasn't melted, and it's not brown. In fact, its shape hasn't changed from when it hit the pan with the exception of a few dents here and there from Howard knocking it around. There's a strong smell of burning plastic. I look into the pan. The cheese is still covered in cling wrap. The crowd, sincere in their belief that they're watching culinary mastery, form an enthusiastic queue in front of Bertie, who holds a bowl of salt-free crackers. Line up here for Triscuit, she says. Howard lifts the cheese out of the pan with a big fork. Dangling from it is an umbilical cord of caramel-colored plastic, dripping with black butter-flavor Pam. And that's my cue to exit. On the way out, I pick up an eight-pound sleeve of Land O'Lakes unsalted butter, which is on sale with the Costco card. I feel relieved that my venture isn't a total loss. I head home, take another nib of Percocet, and settle in for eight hours of disturbing narcotic-laced dreams. When I wake up in the morning, reality sets in quickly. Times are tough. With the exception of the bathroom scale, losses pile up everywhere I look. My husband Dave lost his job. We've lost a great deal of money, and we may lose our house. Currently, my only job prospect is hawking my English friend Biscuit's homemade deodorant, which I call a ply. Even the intruder is turned on me. Who would have thought that so much pleasure could turn so quickly into so much pain? Well, anyway, I have one thing to look forward to today, 
an acupuncture appointment, which I'm told is going to work wonders for my neck. But first, I agree to meet my friend Biscuit and a friend of hers for coffee to discuss the official launch of Apply Deodorant. We're able to score a couple of seats at Sofra, the Middle Eastern bakery in Cambridge. Biscuit's pal is a personal life coach who just mentored herself through a nude spread in a local magazine promoting her quote-unquote business. Since she heard we were in at the Patriots, she's been all over us. Maybe it's a side effect of the drugs I'm on, but while the life coach is mid-soliloquy on how we should market apply, I feel an irresistible urge to throw my water in her face. The impulse is so strong that I have to get up and move away. Pumped up on caffeine, shaky and feeling out of control from the dull pain in my neck, I migrate back to the counter, where I purchase a Turkish breakfast, half a dozen Persian donuts, and a shakshuka. I carry the food and the pastries back to our table, but the craving to throw water in this woman's face hasn't passed. Now I'm wondering how this soft boiled egg would look on her head. I could top it off with a clump of spoon sweets massaged into her widow's peak for extra effect. Oh my God, this is so troubling. Riddled with anxiety, I eat quickly, make apologies about my neck, and exit. I'm going to see Biscuit and her husband, Ed, later anyway at the ART, along with Danny Shorter, the obnoxious little man who is filling in once again as my theater date. I head to the Japanese acupuncture center in Watertown. As his name suggests, Martin Feldman is a non-Japanese Japanese acupuncturist, but he comes very well recommended. Martin squints and smiles as he fills in my forms, sort of like Mickey Rooney's Mr. Yunioshi from Breakfast at Tiffany's. We exchange a few pleasantries and I crack the necessary Igor jokes. Marty, who has heard them all, good-naturedly joins along. He takes a lengthy medical history from me and asks a lot of personal questions about menopause that I usually only discuss with my doctor. Finally, he asks how I hurt myself. I'd rather not say how I hurt myself, I stumble. But it's important to know how it happens so you won't do it again, he says. Quite frankly, Marty, if I had to choose between a wheelchair and the intruder, there would be no contest. And think what I'd save on shoes. Then, Marty asks me to lie down on the exam table. To my surprise, he lifts my shirt and unbuckles and partially unzips my jeans. Before I have a minute to object, he begins to aggressively palpate my abdomen. Now I know why alternative medicine has such a hard row to hoe. I look at the clock and wonder if and when the acupuncture will begin in earnest. Marty mumbles something about toxins and meridians and continues to grope and palpate my stomach. Uh Uh-oh, I feel another urge now, the need to pass gas. It must be the soft-boiled egg. I contract every muscle in my control area to keep from issuing a gargantuan Turkish fart. Marty keeps pressing. Relax, he says. I can't bear to look at him. I close my eyes and concentrate on reabsorption. Marty finally gets to the task at hand, and soon I'm filled with tiny, flexible needles. Then, Marty tells me he'll be back in ten minutes, and he leaves the room. I drift off to a half-sleep, and while I'm there, 
the most extraordinary thing happens. The entire pathway of pain ignites like a fluorescent light, lifts itself out of my body, hovers for a minute, then dissipates. I can't believe what just happened. It's miraculous. I feel such relief that momentarily I forget my colon control and the withheld soft-boiled egg ekes out. It hovers over the acupuncture table like a low-flying duck. There's a can of lavender room spray on a corner table, but I'm full of needles and I can't get up. I flail my free arm wildly in an attempt to grab it, but no dice. It's just out of reach. Marty knocks and re-enters the exam room. He doesn't appear to notice the third party in the room. I tell him about my pain-lifting experience, and he nods matter-of-factly as he removes the needles. He asks me to remain lying down. Then he takes a match to an inch of brown, doughy, incense-like stuff called moxa, which he rolls into a ball, presses on my neck, and lights on fire. Thank God for the match. Marty offers a long clinical explanation for the moxa, but I'm just grateful that it clears the air. I skip through the rest of the day completely and bizarrely pain-free. The house is in order, the laundry's done, and I make a great dinner. Dave is amazed at how well the acupuncture worked. But then it's time to go to the theater where I'll have to sit the most uncomfortable position for two and a half hours. Just in case, I break off yet another nib of Percocet and down it in the lobby of the ART as Biscuit, Ed, and Danny Shorter walk toward me, waving their playbills. Even though Danny Shorter is a dwarf with an attitude, he really is nice and seems genuinely concerned about my neck. He switches seats with me so I can sit more comfortably on the aisle side. The play is Beckett's Endgame. Twenty minutes after the curtain rises, the Percocet kicks in, and I start to feel anxious just like I was in the bakery this morning. But what I feel like doing is way worse than throwing water at a life coach. I have the irresistible Tourette-style urge to jump up and shout as ham and clove, enough, or leave that room. This is the reverse of stage fright. I have audience fright. Whatever it is, it's riding side saddle on the back of an anxiety attack. I fumble for an Altoid in my handbag, and Danny Shorter shushes me. I open and close my fists. I grip the armrests of the chair. Anything to keep myself from leaping up and shouting at the actors. Then, without thinking, I tuck my arm in under Danny's. I'm sure he thinks I'm putting the moves on him, and I feel his eyes grope for mine in the dark. He pats my hand and encloses it in his little boy fist. He has no idea that he's the anchor tethering me to my seat. Suddenly, in the dark theater, I hear the Darth Vader theme song. It goes for about ten seconds, then it stops. The actors continue their dialogue, but then it starts up again. Heads in the audience look every which way to see what idiot didn't turn off their phone. Paying homage to the rule of three, it happens again. (laughs) 
The actor who plays Ham stands up out of his wheelchair and walks downstage. The house lights come up as he starts to speak. You know who you are, he says, scanning the audience for the perpetrator. Now we need to know who you are. I want everyone in this theater to check their phones right now. In the glare of the lights, I turn to see Biscuit, staring in alarm at Danny and me. When I pull my hand abruptly away from Danny, he looks disappointed, and I say sorry. I grab my coat and handbag and bolt up the center aisle of the theater. The audience is abuzz with people checking cell phones. It erupts as they notice me hightailing it out. When the actor announces, well, I think we've found our culprit, I finally have my chance to shout at the stage, it's not me, that's not why I'm leaving. But as soon as those words are out of my mouth, the Darth Vader theme starts again. And guess what? It's coming from my handbag. It is me. I make a roadrunner dash for the door, a chorus of boos on my heels. I answer the damn phone when I hit the lobby. Hello? Hello? Paulette? Well, hi there. It's Marty Feldman. I've tried you a couple of times. I wanted to see how you feel after your acupuncture treatment. Are you back to normal? Sure, Marty. Back to Abby freaking normal. This is Eric Fontana. Next time, major malfunctions. Till then, ta-ta. Wonder time in wonderland.